Hello everybody. Welcome to episode 18 of New Indian Woman podcast airing in the last week of May 2020. In this episode, we will continue talking to Kalpana Purushottaman who has been working with children and families in difficult circumstances for slightly over a decade. This is part 2 of the series on child sexual abuse. In part 1, that is episode 17, we focused a lot on increasing our awareness about child abuse in general and child sexual abuse in particular in this episode let us look at prevention kalpana we discussed quite a few points on the awareness front oh. now when it comes to prevention is it even possible to take steps to prevent the abuse as parents i wish i could tell you that we can totally prevent child sexual abuse that would be a dream of my life but mm-hmm. the sad reality is that we cannot going back to the metaphor of accidents we simply cannot prevent accidents we can try our best mm. but they still happen but of course we we must do all we can to prevent this curse on childhood i would in fact stress that not only child sexual abuse but all kinds of abuse and neglect of children must be prevented correct while all kinds of abuse should be stopped Now when we look at creating the house as a safe space or the child's environments that the child usually accesses what are the steps that the parents can do and i would talk about two kinds of steps one mm. is in terms of reducing the probability of uh, a sexual abuse happening so here mm. for the purpose of the discussion i'm focusing on child sexual abuse point 1 mm. mm. and point 2 if at all it happens create an environment where the child opens up and share see krishna several studies have told us that children are most likely to be abused by family members or persons known to them mm-hmm. and that stranger abuse is relatively less common okay so as parents and family members i would think we need to work on making homes schools and other places where children spend most of their time we need to work on making these spaces safer okay we keep telling children do not accept anything from a stranger do not go if a stranger offers you chocolate you must not go and all of those things mm-hmm. i would say that being mindful and recognizing that abuse happens at home abuse happens in schools mm. which actually come to think of it these are the two places where our children are spending most of their time yes yet in our heads we think abuse will happen down some dark alley somewhere right popular perception as well as media is also that sexual abuse of children happens mostly at home and in the school yeah and these are spaces which we as parents have the most control over in making them safe yeah how is that possible okay for example say sleepovers mhm so say your child comes and says i want to go for a sleepover So as a parent asking some questions before you will allow your child for a sleepover often we think that the only response to a child's question for permission is yes or no hmm but there are third options and fourth options mm-hmm. for example asking questions like who are the people in the house where you're going for the sleepover so these people do you as parents know them well do you know them personally asking your child how many people would be there at the sleepover mm mm-hmm. where will the children be sleeping and where would the adults be sleeping hmm other than the fact that there is a sleepover what other activities have been planned for the evening or night right are there going to be drugs and drinks at the party what, like what what is it like hmm 
So also, but even before you ask these questions, I would also like parents to know about some other questions about their children. Okay. For example, like who are your children's friends? Hmm. Who do they spend time with? How do they spend time with their friends? What do they do at home when mom or dad are at work? Who comes into your home when you're away? How is your child's relationship with other members of your family, your extended family, friends, etc.? Are there people that he or she seems to avoid or dislike or seems to be afraid of? Right. When we talk about children who are maybe quite young, mm-hmm. uh, you will ask them to spend time with an uncle or whomever and the child mm-hmm. may hesitate. While the child may not know it as sexual abuse, the child may show some hesitation in some other way or to a tuition teacher who comes home or whatever it is, the child may show some resistance. So there are two things here. I would say one is when the child goes outside the house, their sleepovers or these uh, meeting friends and who comes to our house. So which means anybody who comes to a house, regardless of whether it is like my own sibling, I should be aware of is there any time where the child is alone with that person. Why should, where is the need for that child to be alone? Absolutely. And say if there is a home tutor, mm-hmm. where does he or she take classes? Do you allow them to go into a room and close the door saying, let us let us not disturb them? Yes. You open the door only when you are, you want to give them something to eat or drink. And you say, no, no, I'll shut the door. You, you do your classes. Mm-hmm. Now, as a parent, we do these things without paying much mind or heed to it. Yes. And you shut the door, the child thinks the mother herself shuts the door and goes out. Yes. It's harder for the child to, especially the younger children. And in fact, this tutor, home tutor and tuition classes, a whole lot of adult survivors in our therapy rooms, uh, Krishna, will tell us about sexual abuse that happened right at home when the parent was in the other room. Oh, okay. And yet the child just froze. Hmm. And the child could not or did not say anything merely because, again, we, we've told the child that this is a teacher and we must respect our teachers, we must obey our teachers and elder and all of those things. Sexual abuse does happen when parents are away or the child is alone or unsupervised or by a caregiver or all of that, yes. But these are not the only situations in which sexual abuse can happen. Many a time it can happen while there is an adult in the house. Okay. These situations of many people in the house, the house is full. So there's a false sense of safety or security right you may think that i mean as a mother that yeah i'm cooking no i'm right here in the kitchen right while the child is sitting with the tuition teacher inside right so you think i'm right here nothing is going to happen but or this bunch of cousins are there together with the child so nothing to worry absolutely they're all going to be fine yeah they just they're just fooling around the parent in terms of situations in the house mm. should be able to walk in and see all that whether it's a home tutor whether it is uh, cousins coming home or uncles mm. coming home it should mm. all be in open spaces where the perpetrator also knows that this parent may walk in any time does that help because okay. you were discussing closed rooms and being away in right. the next room right. and all that so the fact that the parent walks in any time does it prevent such things okay to a certain extent yes visibility does help mm-hmm the presence of other people and knowing that other adults are around can deter a perpetrator as well as can encourage the child to call for help. Mm-hmm. At the same time, I would also urge us to be mindful that it is not possible to do that all the time. Yes. It's really not possible. True. So what I would think is a far more effective strategy is to actually teach our children better. 
to empower our children to say irrespective of whether closed room open room whatever mm-hmm. what is it that you need to do to in case this happens to you what do we do well, how soon is this all of these uh, awareness sessions focus on telling the child about the good touch bad touch etc but right. i i struggle there mm. because just before you start talking about good touch or bad touch somewhere you also need to talk about uh, these things can happen it cannot be just one session on good touch or bad touch right there is an introduction or a preamble to it <laughs> where i really do not know how to handle this interaction with the child in an age appropriate manner absolutely we cannot tell the same thing to all these age groups how do we convey to different age groups of children about this danger and what we expect them to do i will probably split my response into two parts mm-hmm. one is the context of teaching children about safe and unsafe touch and the second about the age appropriateness hmm. coming to the first part awareness about a safe touch and unsafe touch mm-hmm. to go back i would first say that we must stop calling it good touch and bad touch because touch is is a beautiful thing hmm. it is it is what makes us human hmm. i think touch is something that is apart from being a sensory thing is also something that can be so powerful for human beings to express the most beautiful emotions of love and affection and tenderness right. caring and all of that and yet when we use adjectives like good and bad mm-hmm. we just load it with with a whole lot of moralistic kind of uh, stuff and as more importantly children interpret this good and bad meanings very differently yes now that you explain this yes i i really feel yes that should have been given much more thought now we must understand that not all sexual abuse is violent children at least nowadays are being told it's this three step defense against child sexual abuse that we say no go and tell hmm which is basically about saying no to the abuser okay and go refers to going away from the scene of the abuse trying to run away from the place or get away from the abuser in some way and tell stands for telling a trusted adult about the abuse yeah now while these are excellent strategies in terms of what to do if the child is caught in a situation of abuse mhm i think it's important to understand that these skills of being able to say no and run away go and tell an adult and all of that these are skills which have to be taught to children and practiced with them in other non sexual abuse situations as well oh okay i had never thought of that yeah see like i said earlier it is not only about saying no to inappropriate or sexual touch hmm have we taught our children to say no to anything that they don't like or want usually not because i have made banana milkshake i will tell my child you must drink this Hmm. If the child says no, we say no. How dare you? You hmm. have to drink because Amma has made. So either we guilt them into it, saying, "Ayo, Amma got up in the morning and I made this for you," and and the child feels guilty and has it. Mm-hmm. Or we say that, "Oh no, you know, do you know how much money has been spent on this? Whatever, whatever." Hmm. So we simply force our decisions and opinions on them and just dismiss or reprimand them if they disagree or protest. We don't see it that the child is simply saying what he or she does not want. Hmm. Now this is a child whom we have taught that you have to accept whatever the adult is doing or saying to you. Right. Now suddenly only for sexual touch how will the child suddenly say no? Correct. Because we have not respected their no. So we have taught them that you must not listen to what your body is telling you. 
Hmm. You must listen to what I am telling you. Hmm. Any know that the child you do not want to encourage. So somewhere it is like many other things. It's about finding the balance. Right. For example, we tell them you must and should come for the family function even when they don't want. Hmm. For the child, uh, Krishna, the child very quickly learns that he is no means nothing. Okay. That the adult will anyway do what they want. Hmm. You will anyway drag him for that social function which he doesn't want to go. Hmm. That he has to anyway eat whatever. you know whether he is hungry or not he has to eat now hmm see when sexual abuse happens the child's body is telling him or her something hmm. but we have taught the child that you must not to your body you see so hmm. therefore teaching our children to say no i think is the biggest life skill that a parent can teach their child and not just teaching them to say no but respecting their no explaining and understanding their reasons for saying no are all equally important yeah true and teaching our children that these rules of safety will apply even when they are with people they know yes uh, the essential rule is that the child should feel that his or her expression of no is listened to and maybe it opens a conversation the conclusion of the conversation may be because oh, you need energy uh, if you don't eat now you will feel hungry by the time we come back hence you need to eat or whatever it is right but the fact that there is a conversation Yes. Boost the confidence, and the child feels that me saying no, mm. there is some importance associated with. Absolutely, and see, the child is practicing saying no with you. A child quickly learns that despite my saying no, I'm still loved. It is still okay to say no. And the next point is you were saying about saying no to people known to the child. I think teaching our child that these rules of safety apply even if it is somebody known to us. And yes. most importantly, Krishna, I will say this because this is another thing that we all as Indians are very uncomfortable saying, even with another child. And this is important because children can abuse other children too. Hmm. And we have to keep that in mind. Yeah. Because again, this is one of the common perceptions in our head that only an adult will abuse a child. Right. and how do we even start this conversation i would say that these conversation are not a one time event hmm. this is a process that has to be repeated many 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 times and reinforced several times over the years as children are growing up and they, as their own understanding and maturity increases right which is what brings me to the second your second part of the question about age appropriate conversations right i certainly think that's very important and that is the part i think that a lot of us as parents struggle with because we are oh my god how can i talk about sex and sexual abuse to a 2 year old and not only sex as the subject even the fact that somewhere you are telling the child not to trust people right a child is born naturally with the ability to trust and smile Absolutely. at everyone yes basically we try to have a sense of what will that child actually understand at that age hmm. say with a 2 year old or a 3 year old we may tell them about naming and identifying body parts knowing which are the private parts hmm. we do teach our children show me where are your eyes show me which is your nose we do that even to a 2 year old but somehow we stop the minute we reach our stomach correct <laughs> isn't it and then suddenly we will skip and then say these are your knees and these are your ankle and this is your foot so well put yeah so even for the 2 year old it's important along with teaching the child where are your eyes we teach them to name and identify all body parts many of us even as adults we do not know the proper names of private parts right because our parents or the adults in our lives did not teach us about them that chapter in biology is usually skipped 
and the teacher right. will say please do self study right right now what i'm saying is that we as parents and we as adults are not comfortable talking hmm. about our bodies how are we going to teach our children before we attempt to teach children there's a lot of learning that we need to do hmm. and it's it's a great thing to start with our own children so at 2 years you teach them and be as comfortable saying these are your eyes as saying these are your breasts this is your penis this is your vagina use proper words to describe body parts see the reason if you uh, realize even as we say these words Hmm. is that there is a lot of shame that has been attached to it yeah true you see you a small 2 year old if you think especially boys if they even happen to touch their own penis hmm. immediately the mother will go put on the hand and say check ganda hmm. don't hmm. if child is not worn a underwear and he's roaming around immediately any adult they say hey, shame shame hmm. look at the way we socialize so we are telling the child right at that young age thing there is something shameful about his body even if my child wants to come and tell me that amma i am being abused the uh. child is not going to use big big word, technical words like child sexual abuse no no child is going to come and say uncle did ganda with me see today children say things like that so if they know the actual if see for example if somebody slaps your child child will come and say amma uncle gave me a slap because child knows that slap means like this now when the child is able to name and identify his body parts if someone is touching them in an inappropriate manner they hmm. will come tell you yes they will come and tell you exactly what happened because we have now equipped them and given them the language to do so yeah so that is a starting point yes completely agree yeah now for post the 2 and 3 year old school going child hmm. we may start talking to them about boundaries now when we are talking boundaries we will talk about how no one other than the parent or a trusted adult is allowed to touch them yeah so for example even simple things as a parent when you are giving a bath to your child so you can start telling the child that ah today amma is washing you no other than amma or if you have your father you say appa nobody else must put their hand here and do this for you hmm. you're not talking about sexual abuse but you're talking about yeah. boundaries and these are conversations we can still have we have to integrate these conversations in regular life so it does not seem as something that is far removed from their reality they understand that ha theek hai oh yes we have, we've talked about this so i can bring it up with my parents i can tell them about this in those conversations teaching them about the no go tell hmm. using this idea for who are the trusted adults in your life and as the child is growing little older no see amma may not be there all the time because now you have started going to school so now who are the people who you can what will you do if amma is not hmm. there what will you do teaching them that plan b and here i want to also interrupt and talk about one more thing mm. in our stories puranas mm. folk tales the mm. bad person or mm. the evil there is a stereotypical image of how that person is packaged mm. so we should not be conveying in that way because in this mm. particular case you were talking about somebody in the child's trusted circle maybe the abuser mm. so mm. the child is for the first time seeing a person who smiles laughs truly loves the child mm. the child mm. thinks like that and mm. that person is the perpetrator right so we need not say that always a bad guy will come because in this case the child is trying to classify somebody is good or bad that need not happen that is not at all relevant in this 
Absolutely. Oh, it's such a beautiful thing that you just said because this demonizing of the perpetrator and that there is one particular type and bachche so jao ne to gabbar singh aa jayega kind of a thing or bogeyman or I will send you that the kind of that we tell to scare our children. There is no type. And as parents also, we hmm. may never realize that hmm. the people whom we are trusting, they may be violating our child. The perpetrators, right? At least the literature I have read, the perpetrators yes. Yes. know how to gain our trust and at the same time misbehave with the children. In fact, what you just described in psychology, we call it the process of grooming, where you actually groom the child very slowly and it may start with gifts and it may say, oh, I like, oh you look so pretty and oh, this will be a secret only between you and me or you are special, you are my little princess, things like that. Again, we may sometimes be lulled into thinking that the abuser is, is grooming only the child. Hmm. Like you beautifully put it, many times they are grooming the entire family. Yeah. And the core there is that trust. Like you right. rightly pointed out, what they are trying to do is to gain the trust of the child and the family. Right. And many times to reach the child, they may first gain the trust of the family, of the parent. That person will come as a first recall when we have an emergency. So if somebody is actively engaging with us to gain our trust, we should be extra cautious. Wouldn't you agree? <laughs> yes, yes. And I, I would say striking the balance about being careful, about mm. making sure that we have safety checks and balances, regardless of who that person is, whether it is a spouse, whether it is a sibling, whether it is a parent, whether it is a grandparent, whether it is our own older child. Hmm. making sure that we do have those safety checks and balances. Yeah. I just realized that I stopped at the school going age because in case there are parents of say uh, pre-teens and teens and they're wondering oh, oh so what do we do? Yes. I just thought I must complete that thought. Sure. I think for a little older children especially pre-teens, teens etc we can talk about puberty and the mm -hmm. change will take place in their bodies and personalities as a result. Mm -hmm. Talking to preteens and teens about menstruation, about infections, about all of that. Mm. Older teens, which I would say maybe 15 to 16 years, we must speak about pregnancy, about sexually risky behavior, about dating, about mm -hmm. relationships, about consent, about sexual exploration, about boundaries. A mother may find it very difficult to talk to an adolescent son. Certainly. I don't think it comes naturally to a lot of us. Hmm. But I think we can learn to do it. Right. It is still possible to learn how to do it. And especially the, the reason why I say this is probably, Krishna, if you look back at how you and I were at, say, 15, 16. Hmm. To how maybe our children are at 15 and 16. Yeah. In terms of awareness of their own sexuality or that of others around them. I think in terms of the information available, I think you and I and, and a lot of people of our generation, I mean, the, the only sources of information were probably maybe older siblings. And that must have also been limited to, okay, if we were girls, of course. Hmm. In terms of information relating to menstruation, how do you wear a pad? And probably the one universal sex education that all of us would have received, especially as girls, would have been do not get pregnant. Yeah. But if you look at our children today, and thank God for technology, they are far more aware. Whether they are far more mature about it, I will hold my judgment on that but at least they seem to have access to information a lot of information now making sure that they have the right information and from the right source 
I think that is the parental responsibility. Right. Frankly, there is so much misinformation and rubbish, frankly, to say on the... Yes, it also gives the parents an opportunity to engage with the children because you can watch movies uh, together and a carefully curated set of movies which touches these topics very gently, sometimes looking at all aspects. Sexuality does not exist separately. There is an emotional context. So there are some movies which have handled this subject very beautifully. Absolutely. See, and at every stage, we are building on what we've already told them and taught them at a younger age. We must have these conversations on not just sexual abuse, Hmm. but on personal safety, on gender identity. See, that is an age where they are trying to figure out the who am I question. Because sexual abuse is a very small part of the larger conversation around human sexuality. And for which we as parents must first be comfortable with our own bodies and our own sexuality. True. We must be able to talk to them about the choices we've made. For for example, uh, see, I, I have a 15-year-old and we've actually had this conversation. She asked me saying, Amma, did you have a crush when you were 15? Hmm. Now, I also sense that, see, this could mean several things. So yes. in all probability, she's asking me that because she wants to feel okay with what she's feeling. At Hmm. the same time, probably she's also having a crush on somebody. And see, it's such a beautifully open-ended conversation that an invitation to a conversation. Right. So and then you start exploring and saying, okay, so yeah, so let's talk about that. So she's like, so how did it feel to be 15? And then you talk about, yes, at 15, yes, I also remember having a crush. It's okay to have a crush. Now, what exactly is a crush? point to be highlighted here is if the child is starting a conversation like this, child Mm. is giving a small opening. And our response, because we are not used to talking about such things, uh, the default response is likely to be, hey, don't you have some homework or some things like that? Okay. (laughs) If that is the thing, that is where we as today's parents should pause Mm. a bit. And catch hold of that particular opportunity. We may not be ready to respond. If at all we are not ready to respond, say, yes, I would like to talk about it, but give me some time. Or we'll talk about it later. But uh, just catch on to that hook. But there could be a little more uncomfortable questions. Yes. That might be harder. For which sometimes we need not necessarily have to say yes or no on the spot. Sometimes I might say, hmm interesting i really don't know the answer to this let's let's google and find out now or something something like you said either buying time or letting the child know that yeah it's okay for you to ask this but guess what ama really doesn't know the answer to this yes and it's okay not to know and say let's find out together say a child asks a question about which you may not have had the a personal experience of hmm. so also letting the child know that yeah there are limits to my knowledge about things and yes there are, it's a big wide world and we can always ask someone else right so even if you do not know the mm. fact that you are responding engaging with the child is the most yes. valuable part yes and letting her know that it is okay to have this curiosity or interest around right sexuality or questions that have a sexual connotation we are not shutting the child up we are not shaming her into saying oh you're already interested in boyfriends at 15 we are not saying things like that. Yes. We need not be judgmental about it at right. all. Yes. When we're talking about conversations around human sexuality, I want to add that we must also accept that sexuality and gender are not a binary of right. male, female only, because 
different individuals identify and express their gender and sexuality differently hmm. we must respect this diversity in human beings and encourage our children to also share how they are experiencing the world right. and why i'm saying this is this is especially important in the context of child sexual abuse hmm. because children who may not conform to the gender binary of male and female yeah are at a greater risk for bullying molestation and abuse because society does not accept or understand their bodies or their choices right so this means uh, translating in more cruder terms mm. if any of the listeners you may think that your boy mm. if he is showing his in terms of body traits in terms mm. of uh, his walking talking mm-hmm. etc he shows a girl kind of the opposite genders thing you should not be assuming he's wantingly doing it exactly and again being judgmental about it right but first acknowledge that oh mm. there is a gender spectrum right and my child may fall anywhere on that spectrum true the first thing that i can do is not to accuse the child absolutely that's such a beautiful way of saying that this is not your fault yes and in fact specific to the indian situation something that i do invite some of the parents who uh, come for counseling is that see in in our society while we push trans people or people with uh, different sexual preferences and orientation and choices under the carpet we don't even want to talk about them mm. they are visible to us at traffic signals and in public spaces when they come and and it's it's such a sad reflection of our society as a whole that we are not able to accept people who are any different from the what we have decided is the norm right so the fact they are at the signal means we have not been inclusive anyway at all that in itself krishna can be a great conversation starter for children because it might be harder for the teenage boy that you are referring to who i think is a boy but the boy is showing signs of behaving being different hmm has traits which are more feminine or expressing himself in more feminine ways yes. it may be hard for us to talk about that particular child for you as well as for that child yes maybe the starting point is to start about that person that we've seen at the signal so now i'm going to the outer circle so you start with discussions of sexuality in the outer circle have those conversations and see it is it sometimes becomes a little easier for both parties to talk as if it is not happening to them yeah even though we know that because it is happening to us right we as parents have this tendency to immediately discuss the problem let me see how to solve it no <laughs> all problems need not be uh, looked at that way you can start from somewhere far away which gives mm. you the space to discuss it without getting emotionally tangled with it yes. and then slowly take time to figure out and find help yes. of how to deal with it parents need not assume that everything needs to be solved by them they can take help it's fine absolutely even statements that convey compassion you use the beautiful word of inclusivity or even saying that i wish society didn't do this to them hmm or i wish there was a better way to understand i can't even imagine how hard life must be for this person hmm because it must be so confusing see you're communicating to this young boy who's watching you saying that okay so if i were to share about who i am and who i am becoming and who i'm conflicted about becoming in my own life with this person someday i think mm. she will end yeah somewhere you are building that confidence in the child about yourself yes and you are demonstrating to him and you are reinforcing that yeah i 
it's okay. I am trying to understand. And then you ask the child saying, what do you think? Hmm. We started with an age-appropriate conversation where we are saying it's not about sexual abuse that we are talking about. Right from the very young two or three year old, we covered mm-hmm. the entire gamut of age, and we are saying as they grow older, while the challenges may be more pronounced, yes. but there is also, on the other hand, lot of subjects, lot of uh, tools for us to engage with those much older children in terms yes. of how we discuss the topic of sexuality. And mm. what you also said is, it is not only about sexual abuse. We should talk about gender identity and such topics. as well because we cannot see sex in the absence of these things and they're right. so wonderful actually these conversations are extremely important to engage with your child and this enables the child to trust us more and when this happens we are equipping the child to open up to share with us earlier in this episode kalpana spoke about two steps that we need to take for prevention of child sexual abuse one was to reduce the probability of abuse and then the most important part of teaching and empowering the child through these conversations embedded in our daily life in the first episode of this three part series that is episode 17 we focused on increasing our own awareness about child sexual abuse in this episode we looked at prevention and guess what is lined up in the next episode yes we continue our conversation with kalpana on detection of abuse As I shared earlier, we chose to get into the details of this particular topic despite this being a very difficult one. It is required as we all know it is not a common practice to discuss it very openly in our households. Hence, each of us as a new Indian woman should increase our awareness and take steps to empower our children better. We will connect again in the next episode. In the meanwhile, would you share this episode widely with the people in your life? Thanks a lot for that. Remember, you are what you want to be and the time starts now.